The coronavirus pandemic has placed more pressure on St. Louis County officials to act, especially when it's affected people there more than anywhere else in the state. Councilwoman Kelly Dunaway is the head of a committee aimed at overseeing how federal coronavirus money gets spent, a topic that's been at the heart of a lot of conflict in county government. Dunaway joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to talk about the council's reaction to the pandemic and her re-election campaign. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that, that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. And joining us today is the councilwoman for St. Louis County's 2nd District. Our guest today is... Hi, Kelly Dunaway. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm actually in St. Louis Public Radio studio, and, and you are in the comfort of your home via Zoom. So the reason we wanted to have you on the show today was twofold. One was because it, well, we're going to talk a little bit at the end of the show about your reelection campaign, but we're going to spend the bulk of your show talking about the committee that you're the chairwoman of looking at how federal coronavirus money is spent. So I want you to walk through our listeners what that committee is, what it's meant to do, and what it's done so far. Okay, great. Thanks so much for having me, by the way, Jason. It's great to be here. So um, first of all, we got this federal grant money and gave it gave the power to spend it to the county executive. And we wanted to make sure that we were holding them accountable, making sure that the money is being spent in 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 the ways that we think are best suited to the needs of the communities that, that need it the most, right? So the point of the oversight committee is to do a little bit of backward looking with the county executive's office and the county cares team, but also to you know talk about what's coming next and how the money is gonna be spent, why they believe it should go where it is, and also to engage the public in a conversation so that they have a voice in where the money is going as well. So I've been reading some of the articles from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch about some of the work from this oversight committee. And what's been really interesting is that some of the Democrats who allowed County Executive Page to have the power to disperse the money are not necessarily happy with the way some of the things are being administrated administrated are are kind of imagined as far as where the money goes. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that's been one of the more interesting things about this committee so far. I think early on, we were concerned that um, that there was so much happening so fast and there wasn't a budget and decisions were coming down. We weren't sure how they were being made. It was unclear to us uh, what the priorities were specifically. I mean, obviously we know we're having a public health crisis and we know there's a huge humanitarian crisis happening as a result while the econ economy crumbles around us. These three things we know. But in terms of getting really down into the weeds and seeing what was happening and, and learning about some of the ideas that 
that were on the table, we were like, hold on a second. We need to see a budget. We need to see what kind of process you all have in place for ensuring that this money gets to the places it needs to go as quickly as possible. And, and honestly, within a couple of days of us raising questions about where's the budget, where's the organizational structure, the county executive's office got back to us two days. Like, here's the budget, here's the structure, here's how the decisions are being made, and here's how we want to continue to collaborate with you all to ensure that what you're hearing from your constituents is also part of the broader conversation. So one of the things, too, I've, I've seen that maybe kind of I wouldn't say fostering disagreement, but at least fostering discussion on what to do with daycares, because I think that there are a couple members of that committee that really want to aid early childhood education centers and daycares because they're clearly financially struggling because of COVID-19. But I think a couple members of the, the county council wondered whether that was a good idea because they may also be applying for a small business grant program that the county executive announced a few week, weeks ago. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I could imagine that there are probably good arguments on both sides, but you may not want a situation where a daycare center is essentially taking money from from two pools of money. Yeah, and we we do agree with that. We want to see a separate program. Um, you know, Chairwoman Clancy and I both have small children, and you know, I feel like the daycare industry, in particular, early childhood education, is just sitting on a precipice of disaster and has been for years because it's not government subsidized. It's all on the backs of the working parents who have to make decisions about how to afford this very costly service. So in comes COVID where now we're having to adjust the way we clean toys in between kids using them. How do we enforce social distancing with a bunch of huggy toddlers? And how do we make sure that we can have ratios of childcare providers to children that make sense within this new social distancing, extra clean environment? And so that's going to knock daycares right off. We do not want double dipping, Jason. That is not our intention. So I think what we're looking at doing is having a separate pool of money that will support early childhood, early childcare centers and pull that out of the small business relief program so that we have, so that we can open up some more of that money for small business relief, other small business relief. Were you surprised initially that when County Executive Page was announcing the gradual reopening of the county, that initially restrictions on daycares were going to be kept the same? I know that he's changed course since then, especially after the city changed its course. And I and I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you and our listeners. My wife and I have had a lot of trepidation about sending our kids back to daycare. But I also know that there's a lot of you know, single moms out there that absolutely need childcare services if they're also going to be asked by their employers to physically be back at work. So I don't see how you can reopen the economy and not relax restrictions on daycares. I'd like I'd like you to maybe me touch on that and maybe if you have any insight about why maybe the county executive changed course on that. I would be personally pretty interested in that. Well, I have said all along that we can't have a serious conversation about reopening the economy until we have a serious conversation about what we're going to do with our kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm really lucky to be able to work from home, both my jobs I can do from home right now. Um, And I think that I wish that employers across the country, across the world that can 
give their employees work from home access, just give it to us. You, we have shown to you over the past few months that we're going to get our work done, even if our kids are interrupting us. And I'm with you, Jason. I'm not ready to send my kids. I just canceled camp up until after 4th of July, and we're going to wait and see what happens. Um, but the reality is there are a number of employees that have to be at work, right? They, their jobs cannot be done unless they are physically present. And we have to have a safe clean, healthy place to put those kids. And that means ensuring that our childcare centers can stay open and be a safe place. In terms of, you know, changes in positions, I, I just think, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. And the more voices that come into the room and influence how you approach a, a subject, you're likely to evolve or change positions. Um, but I think this is a conversation that we need to continue having throughout this crisis, but certainly beyond, because the, the state of early childhood care right now is untenable. Now, before we talk about the decision to give County Executive Page like control over how the money is spent, I want to ask you maybe maybe this isn't exactly related to what you talk about in the committee, but I'm sure it's been discussion among county policymakers about how St. Louis City and St. Louis County have worked together during this crisis. Because from the outside looking in, given that the city has had really different regulations on some some parts of their economy compared to the county, you could make like a, an outsider's argument that they haven't really been working together when initially their daycare regulations were going to be different. And the fact that they didn't close their parks and the county did, or the fact that the bars are open there, but not in the county. What do you, what do you think about that? So my reaction is that I know this might sound crazy, but we have different priorities. Our constituents have different expectations and demands. And I, I really believe that those differences in the way the city and the county are approaching these businesses and, and these issues really has more to do with what they're hearing on the ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it matters a whole lot more to people in the city to be able to go to a bar than for those of us in the county. I'm just speculating, but. It could be. I mean, I'm not really desperate to go to a bar right now, but I do know with the park situation, for example, and I, I totally understand where the county was coming from, because clearly if there are too many crowds in, in parks because there's nothing else to do, that definitely has potential to spread coronavirus. But if the city parks are open, I'm not really sure how effective closing the county park. I agree with that. I always thought that was weird. Like, oh, I can just go to Forest Park because Faust Park is closed. I think that'll have to be something that is studied in the uh, coronavirus history books uh, going forward. So let's talk about the council's decision to give authority to uh, County Executive Page on how to spend the CARES Act money. I know that's been a really big source of contention between the Republicans and Democrats on the council. It's it's kind of retrospective to talk about this, but since we've had Republicans on this show talking about how it was a bad idea, I want to provide our listeners with the other perspective of why the council ended up voting for for, for doing that. So I, I want to give you that opportunity. Yeah, sure. So, well, for starters, we have treated this federal grant exactly as we have treated all federal, state, and whatever grants that have come before it. Um, you know, $60 million in grants were awarded through the St. Louis County Council in 2019, and we didn't treat this one any differently. 
Obviously, this is a different situation. This is a much bigger amount of money. So I understand why people want more transparency accountability, which we are providing through our oversight committee. But setting aside the rules for the way grants have been treated, or at least the precedent, let's also look at what it has been like on the council this year. Since our first meeting in January, things have been contentious. There has been a lot of tension between members. The tone and tenor has been unfortunate at best. And in an emergency situation, we need to be able to make decisions quickly and distribute money quickly. And nothing is gonna be happening quickly with this council. And I think we made a, I think it's probably because it's an election year and people are a little more fiery than usual. Um, but I also think that, you know, it's a particularly partisan time in our national conversation and it trickles down to the local level. And I did not want, and I don't think any of us did, wanted to spend this whole entire time fighting over every single little thing that came before us. And I'll tell you, Jason, this is supposed to be a part-time job. What I have, what, what we have on our plates right now is not part-time work. And to have to add that piece on top of all the rest, it, 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 wouldn't, it would have been unmanageable, was our concern. And I still feel that we made the right choice. I don't regret giving the full power of the, of the money to the county executive. I think that they have been, his office, he and his office have been thoughtful and really focused on the right things. And I'm glad that we are, have put oversight into play because it's important that they, to us, it's important that they stay focused, that there's a budget and that they are spending appropriately. Do you think that the county executive's administration is listening to the oversight committee? Because I, I think the Republicans would say, well, it's, you know, it's fine to have the committee, but if, if Page can just do whatever he wants and not listen to it, it's not very meaningful. Like, what evidence are you seeing that they're actually listening to what the committee has to say when making decisions on how to spend the money? Well, I would say that the best two examples came last week. We had a pretty confrontational um, interaction with them on Tuesday about where's the budget, where's the organizational structure. And by Thursday, we were holding a follow-up public meeting where they showed us the budget and they showed us the organizational structure. They've made changes to the small business relief program based on our feedback. Um, they are becoming much, I believe, much more in tune with our demands for an equity lens. And it just feels like um, it feels to me and looks to me like we're having a significant impact. What do you say to the argument from the three Republicans on the council that if you went about it differently and you had the council approve every allocation of CARES Act money, that you could call emergency meetings to do it quickly, and that since everyone is doing these via Zoom, it would be more than possible to 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 do it that way. That that was an argument that Councilman Trakis made on this show a couple of weeks ago. I want you to respond to that argumentation because it's been floating around since the decision was made to give Paige the power over how to spend the money. I think that's naive, frankly. The reality is for some of us, this is a part-time job. I have another full-time job as, as the learning and De development director at Brian Cave. Now I'm go I had to go part-time. Um, this in light of all of this COVID stuff. And in addition to that, I'm also a 
part-time homeschool teacher and now camp counselor. I think it's just really unrealistic for someone without kids at home and without another job to say, oh, we can just pull an emergency meeting together when that is completely disrespectful of those of us who are juggling so many other things. We'll be right back after this quick break with Councilwoman Kelly Dunaway. And we're back on Politically Speaking with St. Louis County Councilwoman Kelly Dunaway, a Democrat who represents the council's 2nd District. I want to touch base on the equity lens for, for a minute. And before we talk about what may be happening this weekend with protests over George Floyd's death, I think that's become a big central focal point for county policymakers, especially since Steve Stanger left and especially since in 2018 you saw the election of people like Lisa Clancy and Wesley Bell on the on the wave of public desire for like actual action post Michael Brown. And I want to ask you, especially when we're talking about federal CARES Act money, are you seeing like actual like movement towards racial equity where that money is being spent? Or is it just like a lot of lip service and virtue signaling from the administration? Uh, what have you found so far? I have found that um, we have a, a, a very diverse group of voices at most tables and that we all recognize that the greatest need is in North County and in our African-American communities. And that's where the money's going. That's where the, that's where we're trying to direct as much of this as we can. And we talk a lot in our oversight meetings about equity and about making sure that the hardest hit communities are the ones that are receiving the money. And I'll tell you um, in the small business relief program, um, you know, I, we are also, at least in, in those of us that are using a, rub, uh, a rubric, we're taking into account minority owned businesses on a, on a scale because we wanna make sure that our minority owned businesses who are hit particularly hard during this pandemic have some, a lifeline to be um, thriving on the other side. Do you think that County Executive Page's administration was able to set up testing sites quickly enough in North St. Louis County? Because I've heard criticism, especially from some members of the black political community, that it was not swift enough and that could have been a lot better. I don't know if that's something you've heard in your oversight committee, but I'm sure it's something that's been a prime topic of discussion within county government. Well, I have not been part of those conversations, so I can't speak to this, but I certainly hope it's a conversation that has been happening and and has had an impact on on getting more testing sites set up in North County. What are some other ways you think that the the county could act in the next few months to make sure that the money and focus is going toward the African-American community, which is, as you mentioned, has been disproportionately impacted by coronavirus? Well, um, for one thing, I think that we need to bring our um, diversity and inclusion department into a bigger role in oversight. Um, and we hope to start We hope that they will be regular um, panelists starting next week in our oversight meetings. Um, and we're going to continue to ask questions um, in our oversight meetings and also put pressure on the county executive's office and the county cares team to to stay focused in, in exactly that way. And to be honest, I don't think we'll have to put much pressure on them. I think knowing that it's there, that they want to do the right thing. They're working hard to make sure this money gets where it needs to go. And and we all know where it needs to go. And and, and I do see, I, I see it getting to the right places. So I want to shift gears a little bit away from coronavirus and to uh, Minneapolis and also St. Louis County. We're recording this at 12 p.m. on Friday. Uh, it has been a few days since the 
death of George Floyd has frankly shocked the nation and even shocked the most ardent supporters of law enforcement. There have been protests throughout the country over this in Minneapolis, in Louisville, in New York. And it's very possible that there could be major protests in St. Louis County because we are about six years removed from Michael Brown's shooting death in Ferguson. Now, before we talk about like potential preparations that are being made, I know that you actually wrote something about this on your Facebook page, and I wanted to give you some space to to talk about your feelings about uh, Floyd's death. Well, I'm devastated. I'm devastated because this keeps happening and it keeps not mattering. And I see in this violence, and, and I'm not trying to condone violence, Jason, but what I see is 400 years of oppression and incarceration and violence and murder against African-Americans. And, and, and that's, that's what's coming out is this, this anguish, this pain, this rage. And I so empathize and I want to do more. And I think, you know, I don't know if you know this, but um, at our council meeting on Tuesday, uh, we passed a resolution declaring racism a public health emergency in St. Louis County. And now I think that, you know, the council and um, the county executive's office and our diversity and inclusion office and our policy departments, we need to work together to put more action behind this, not because of protests this week, but because we need to give people an opportunity to rise to their potential. And that is not what we are doing with our laws and our policies and a society that has put, frankly, put white people, white men in particular, ahead of everybody else. I know this is a weird question to, for a white male reporter to ask another white politician, but what do we as white people need to do to step up? We can feel as bad as we can about this, but if we're not like doing something tangible to help black people that have been victimized by police, then what are we doing beyond just feeling bad about it? Like, what do we do about this, basically? I think we have to use our voices. Like, you and I have bigger voices, and it's up to us to talk about this and to shine a light on it and to show, look, this is what racism looks like. And I think that we have to stop asking people of color to tell us what to do, because we're the ones that make this mess. Like we need to figure out how to clean it up. And, and I don't have all the answers, but I'm sure as heck going to be looking for them. I want to play a clip now from County Executive Page because he was asked by another reporter about like what preparations are being made for, for protests. I believe that there's going to be a protest at some point in the city and the county this weekend. This is what County Executive Page had to say on Friday. So our police department monitors this on a regular basis. Our emergency operations monitors these things. Um, when, when our uh, police officers don't meet our standards, we expect them to be held accountable. That's the message we've always had to the community. That's the relationship we have with our community, and we'll keep those communication pipelines open. Um, if people want to protest peace peacefully, I'm sure that we will support that, and we will provide them the, the support that they need. Um, if that turns into something that's less constructive, then, you know, we'll react appropriately. I'll leave that to our county and municipal police departments. Um, we um, certainly are monitoring the situation. 
and uh, will continue to do so. We hope that uh, everyone can learn from what is clearly a tragic event and that we can move forward as a community, as a country. Uh, watching that video was horrifying for everyone who saw it. St. Louis County does not have a great like national perception about how they dealt with the protests in, in, in 2014. John Belmar's gone. There's a, there's a whole new administration now. What expectations and what do you want to see from the county police department if there are large-scale protests in St. Louis County over George Floyd's death and other deaths of African-Americans that have been in the news lately? Well, like you said, we have a new chief, Chief Barton. Um, and so I think she brings a fresh perspective and a fresh leadership, fresh leadership potential to the St. Louis County Police. We have a new um, police board, which also brings great new diversity and fresh and just fresh perspectives in, in this in this institution. What I want to see this weekend, I, I hope, gosh, I hope it's peaceful. I really do. I want to see our law enforcement standing with our protesters. You know, this is not who we are. This is not who we're going to be. We, we learned and, and we're still learning and we're going to continue to get better under new leadership. And I really, I hope that things don't turn violent here. Um, that's, that's my greatest hope for this weekend. In the last few minutes on this show, I do want to turn to politics for a second. Because you were elected in a special election to fill out, I think, the rest of what was Councilman Page's term, you're on the ballot this year, and a pretty prominent person has stepped up to run against you, Creep Corps Mayor Barry Glantz. So for, for our listeners, we are going to have Mayor Glantz on the show pretty soon. He's going to talk about why he's running, but he's also going to be talking about how coronavirus affected Creep Corps. Um, you've only been on the council for a short time, but I wanted to give you a set a, a little bit of time to explain like why you feel like you should continue on the council and what you make of this upcoming campaign. Well, first of all, I couldn't be more proud to be a member of the historic Democratic women majority on the St. Louis County Council. I think that shows very clearly in the policy that we have focused on this year, things like affordable housing, prevailing wages for our families, standing up for women's reproductive rights, against a resolution. We have worked on um, affordable housing, uh, common sense gun laws with that red flag law. And we are ensuring that decisions are made in St. Louis County through an equity lens. I think it's really important, Jason, that we have government that's more reflective of who we are as people. And I think our diverse um, county council is really making a difference in our region and in leadership in the county and the city. And I think that we have so much amazing work still ahead of us that I really hope I have, um, I have the support of, of my district to, to keep carrying this torch forward. So this primary is gonna be taking place at the same time as a pretty competitive primary for county executive. Uh, county executive Page is running against county assessor Jake Zimmerman and businessman Mark Monavani, as well as Jamie Tolliver. How do you think that that race is going to affect yours? Because I have to imagine people may be going to the ballot to vote in the county executive's race while also making a decision on yours. I think that um, I think my race and Dr. Page's are, are very closely connected. I mean, I'm his successor, Jason. Um, I'm his successor on the county council. We're neighbors. We're friends. He's my mentor. Um, and I, I believe in him. And I think we've really... Um, We've stood together a lot in the last year, even when it hurt us politically. 
And, um, and I, I hope for his win as much as I do mine. Do you think that maybe some of the criticism that's being lobbed your way is really a way to attack Dr. Page's reelection? Is, is that what's going on here? They see if they're able to maybe neutralize you electorally that could make it easier for someone like Zimmerman or Montavani to win. I mean, I think anything's possible. I think people are ugly in an election year. And I think there's a lot of real ugliness going on. Uh, a lot of cheap shots coming from the cheap seats. And um, at a time of crisis like this, it's really disappointing and we should really be working together. I guess my only other question on this topic is, you know, people have known Barry Glantz for a long time. He has a long record, not only in municipal government, but also uh, just in the Creve Corps community, which is a big population center in your district. What would you say to voters who may be inclined to vote for him because they know him very well? Um, and what would be your argument to those voters to vote for you? I think that what St. Louis County needs, what Missouri needs, and what America needs is fresh new perspectives. And I think I bring that. And I think it shows in the policy direction of the county council and the amazing things that we've been able to accomplish in my short tenure. Well, Councilwoman, we'll be following that race very carefully. And we'll also be following what the county council does over the next few weeks and months since coronavirus has affected St. Louis County more than any other place in the state. Any final words before we let you go? I have been very moved to see people really standing up in support of our community and helping each other through this really trying time and, um, you know, made worse this week by all the race tensions in the country and here at home. And I just hope we can continue to work together and be a stronger community on the other side of this tragedy. Well, Councilwoman, thank you very much for your time for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. How could people follow you on Twitter or any other parts of the World Wide Web? At Dunaway Kelly on Twitter, um, although I have a pretty, uh, I, I'm, not a, I'm not much of a Twitterer. Uh, also on Facebook, Kelly Dunaway for County Council. And you can always go to my website, kdunawayforcouncil.com. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. Mm -hmm.